This is the Business Central Manufacturing Show, and I am Martin Karlovich. Hi folks, my today's guest is Christoph Fisser. Having successfully brought, advised and grown European ISVs in the American market before, Chris is now the CEO of Continua North America. Chris is from the Netherlands, but has been living in New York City for more than six years now. Continua creates state-of-the-art Dynamics Business Central and NAV solutions for document capture, expense management and document output. Before taking the role at Continua, Chris successfully ran the American business of Sana Commerce. As such, Chris does not represent a partner being specialized in manufacturing with deep vertical know-how. Instead, he brings a lot of experience with horizontal topics such as sales and process efficiencies that are crucial for any company and hence also for manufacturers. So I'm really looking forward to discuss sales and process efficiencies for manufacturing companies with you, Chris. Thank you very much for taking time and for being my guest in the Business Central Manufacturing Show. Yeah, thank you, Martin, and um, love the intro. I need to get a copy of the recording of that. Yeah, absolutely. So when people talk about process efficiencies in manufacturing, they typically think of the shop floor. They think of machine optimizations, production order sequencing, and all that sort of things. However, manufacturers also have a lot of back-end processes to take care of. What, in your observation, are typical areas in which manufacturers can gain back-end efficiency? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, of course, but automation in general is a big term, of course. And I think they are, because they're so focused on their manufacturing process, naturally very good at, at automating that part of their business. Where they sometimes need a little bit of help is more on the sales side or the internal process side. I think about the finance team or uh, yeah, the, the sales team. Traditionally, manufacturers were just going in their cars around the country uh, with the parts or the, the products that they sell to resellers, um, things like that. And obviously, that was already changing, but it's changing even, even faster now in the current circumstances that uh, the world is in. So you spoke about finance processes. Do you have some examples that there are room for improvement in terms of efficiency? Yeah, well, I think still a lot is on paper because there's many people involved in manufacturing. There's a lot of logging of tasks and, and steps of the process. So a lot of it is on paper. And yeah, that is obviously uh, archiving that, um, sharing that, digitalizing it maybe in the later, um, but then also have it searchable. Yeah, we see in our business, obviously, a lot of people that need to take that step still or can improve upon it where uh, somebody in finance is running around the, the floor space uh, or in the office getting the right initials on invoices to be paid, people being out of the office, and now everybody's remote, right? So it's very hard to chase people uh, for approvals, and that is on big manufacturing plants in general, something that is a challenge, I would say. So I think it's fair to say that piles of paper are an indicator for efficiency improvement potentials. What other indicators are there that companies should look for in terms of identify where they can improve their processes? Yeah, I think it's the throughput, right? Uh, like you say, piles of paper are a good indicator for throughput of decisions, of approvals. In general, how long does it take to process an invoice? Try to, try to measure it. It comes in and how long does it take before you are ready to pay it? And obviously you only pay it on the due date or close to the due date, but how long does it take to process? How many people touch that document? Is it manually 
entered, right, is somebody typing in an invoice. And I've seen some super interesting examples where we were talking to a manufacturer that was getting parts shipped in from uh, Japan, and they get a once a month invoice with over 20 pages. And each page has over 20 lines. And each line was associated with a different purchase order. And they had to match up that invoice to the purchase order to make sure that they received everything and that it was therefore ready to pay. That single invoice would take somebody in a finance department hours and hours of work. And if if there was something not administered correctly, they had to go to the floor and ask somebody in the warehouse, did we receive these goods? Yeah, the, the amount of efficiency improvements um, that you can gain there is, is tremendous, of course. And that's just one invoice that somebody was typing in, checking manually. Yeah, that is something that a manufacturer often kind of overlooks or accepts because they've been doing that way that way for years and it's not the core business right the core business is manufacturing so the people that ultimately decide where the investments go are more keen on investing in the manufacturing or in the sales than that they are really in the back office so then if their investments typically would go into the shop floor how can they solve the problem that you just described Yeah, it's important to look at the, the, the return on investment, right? And uh, you can have some very quick wins. There's all kinds of technologies out there to do online uh, document approvals. And OCR has been around for, for decades. It's getting better and better. So there's already ways how you can even simplify the lives of the people working in finance. It's not a matter of, of replacing them. It's, it's making them more successful in their job, uh, more efficient so that they are not spending their time with repetitive tasks. So I, I would almost advise manufacturers to look at their internal processes similarly to how they look at their manufacturing lines. What improvements can we make? And if we invest a little bit here upfront, what is the long-term or even the short and midterm return on that investment? And software is amazing. And, and the advancements that cloud-based solutions like Business Central are making, the investments that Microsoft is putting in terms of R&D in this product, it's phenomenal. And it allows constant improvements instead of like the old archaic AS400 uh, stuff, right? You would in, uh, invest millions in, in a lot of cases uh, as a manufacturer to uh, do some kind of ERP uh, stuff. And now uh, you can get started with low hurdles And you can kind of grow into the system to really do what you needed to do instead of that the system dictates how your processes should work. Let, let's stick to the to the processes. We, we looked at in the invoice processing process as one of the processes that manufacturers should make digital in order to get it done faster and with less effort. So what other back-end processes would you see that would qualify for the same type of digitization efforts? Yeah, I mean, obviously things that the, 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 the space that you're operating in, uh, planning and scheduling, again, paper heavy traditionally. So if you can digitalize that and gain the data And then with that data, improve your processes. There's a world to win. Um, similarly to my previous experience in, in e-commerce, getting the orders. Why have um, getting an order in being a hurdle? Because it needs to happen during business hours and it needs to happen by somebody that picks up the phone or reads a fax and enters the data in uh, the internal systems. Why not have an online platform where your customers can 
see inventory, see their customer-specific pricing, and place the order directly, and uh, no more duplication of data, no more paperwork. I mean, it sounds like I'm against using any paper. I still have a paper notebook right next to my computer. But if you don't have to use it, it, it brings amazing advantages uh, the searchability also for the future right in order to find something and in the case of e-commerce you're minimizing the risk for human errors and if somebody makes an error luckily for the manufacturer it's the customer that makes the error and not your internal team anymore so you cannot be blamed for errors in in the placement of the order order was placed by the customer so you again take out a matter of erroring in the processes and it really comes down to then picking the goods that the customer selected and putting them in the right box and shipping them out. That's super interesting what you just said because you talked about e-commerce as a tool to make the sales process more efficient and more error prone. I always kind of, and I have no no real clue about e-commerce, but I always looked at e-commerce as a type of a new sales channel. Mm -hmm. So. When you look at e-commerce as a new sales channel, in your point of view, how valid this new sales channel is for manufacturing companies? Yeah, I mean, manufacturing is obviously a lot of business to business. So they've been doing business for a while, probably. It's, it's serving existing customers or they are trying to bring in new customers uh, where, yeah, as a manufacturer, it really depends on the type of good you're selling, of course. But you typically do a little bit more hand-holding in the beginning. You want to make sure that they pick the right products that they need for their business. So as a new channel, uh, you can sell internationally all of a sudden, right? Because you don't have an issue with time zones anymore. Again, depending on the goods you sell, it may or may not take a little extra work to ship or uh, to calculate even the shipping costs, stuff like that. Uh, but again, because you have an online platform, you can automate that. The customer can make the decisions. You can collect payment right away uh, because you have their credit cards, for example. Um, so your, your line of credit, your cash flow, gets a little boost there so and and obviously there's um, a growing trend although some people argue that's a little bit on decline again that if you have the back end ready for online sales you couldn't you can also hook into platforms like amazon where you can use their warehousing and their domination of the market frankly speaking especially here in the us you can use their dominance to piggyback on do you want to do that at the cost of the margin they ask from you that's another question but at least you have another window to potential customers even in the b2b space and uh, people that need to order parts or that need to order something very specific those people would never end up with you uh, as a manufacturer but hey that maybe that one random person does need a particular thing that you manufacture and they find it through a wholesaler or some kind of distributor that sells directly online uh, so the market becomes bigger and when you start bringing e-commerce into let's say a manufacturing company and they are already working with an ERP system such as Dynamics NAV or Dynamics 365 Business Central, I would assume that you can make a lot of mistakes when you start to. So what are the typical mistakes that customers should avoid when they bring e-commerce together with an ERP system? Well, the, the old age wisdom of garbage in is garbage out is very true, especially if you hook it up directly to the ERP, which brings tremendous advantages, right? Especially in manufacturing, a lot of cases you have special pricing arrangements or special inventory for a very specific customer that was 
historically always very difficult to bring that level of intelligence online specifically to one customer with the real-time integrations that's now possible but that also exposes some uh, garbage. Um, so if, you, if your data, uh, your base business central or, or NAV, uh, or in general, your ERP is not really accurate, you run the risk that your customers make decisions off of your wrong data, and that may trigger some annoyances with them. Okay, and these erroneous data can be fixed by improving and automating the processes that create the data. So we are getting... Exactly. Okay. We're going full circle here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, No, it is. And it strengthens the need for a really good ERP strategy, right? Um, and to really use the system to its strengths and rethink your processes that you're doing on the floor, in on the manufacturing floor, or the shop floor, or whatever. A lot of people say like, yeah, we operated like this, and it, it works, and that's been our strength. But that doesn't mean the circumstances change, and you may have to change with the circumstances, right? Especially if we look now at the, the whole COVID situation in the world, people that took the jump to automating, to improving their data, to improving their processes, to gather the right data, um, to make the right business decisions on, uh, those companies seem to fare better. So uh, one of my recent uh, podcasts that I'm listening a lot to is from uh, a uh, professor at NYU, uh, New York University. His name is Scott Galloway. And he's saying COVID isn't changing anything. It's accelerating change and accelerating it very fast. So it's exposing weaknesses in your systems, in your teams, uh, in your processes, because boom, circumstances changed overnight. People had to work from home. Okay. If you never invested a dollar or a euro in automation or even in data to know what's going on, that, that hurts now, of course. So if, if COVID is accelerating change, and to some extent, I would agree with this, then let's look at what people are predicting for manufacturing. And I heard, saw a lot of predictions that they say that due to COVID, supply chains will become shorter again. So people will shop more local and maybe send less subcontracting to offshoring facilities, but do some nearshoring or even next shoring, as I just read in a McKinsey article. So how how does what we just discussed about e-commerce and about e-commerce and widening the sales opportunities harmonize with the accelerating trend of more near and next shoring? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a trend before, right? There's been some trade wars slash negotiations going on on a global level, uh, particularly between, between China and the US. And there's been a growing trend or, or, or call it unrest amongst manufacturers in the US that are heavily reliant on Asia that they cannot predict their their supply chain and and that's a risk right a side story i'm trying to get a buy a mountain bike here in uh, in the new york region and it, it was even in the new york times the other day there are no bikes for sale in the us because there's been supply chain issues because they all get manufactured in china and south korea even the american brands and they went in a lockdown uh, earlier in the year. So right now you're hitting the supply chain issues. It's a couple months, uh, aka a couple container shipments further, and there's no more bikes. So 
I agree with uh, the chances that nearshoring or yeah, shorter supply chains. Uh, I could I could see Apple just buying their uh, their suppliers right just to be more in control and and they've been doing that for years now and they more and more are creating their own microchips and and stuff like that so I definitely see that as a trend uh, 3D printing is a buzzword that can be seen as like a little nice little gimmick where you where you're where you print some plastic little things versus super advanced 3D printing that can really replace very complex manufacturing lines if you put the parts together so I wouldn't rule that out and the benefit then of course of e-commerce is you can fulfill much quicker and if you are a um, amazing german manufacturer and you want to start selling in the us but you were always withheld from that because you didn't want to deal with the import and the export of stuff and shipping things in containers and uh, hiring people locally hey now with these kind of technologies it's really the design and your engineering that's the value and you can outsource the production to the market where it's being sold. So you can focus even more on ma manufacturing, I would say. But again, that highly depends on, on the industry and the type of manufacturing you're in, of course. What other type of processes do you see that are where change now is accelerating? So where do companies have the need to excel and to become faster in terms of their agility? Yeah, I mean, an obvious one is marketing, of course, where uh, a lot of, I think a lot of manufacturers had some form of branding, uh, but they were reliant on their resellers to do the marketing around it. Uh, because yeah, they're manufacturers, they, they make a car. I'm just using a car as an example, because it's simple. And they manufacture cars, but they were reliant on their dealer network and their resellers and their mechanics to talk about the brand and how amazing it is and everybody should should buy this car and of course they did some high level uh, commercials or something like that but a lot of cases the active marketing or the sales pool marketing uh, was done by third parties uh, resellers distributors those kind of uh, agents and with uh, growing uh, digitization and globalization, it's now all of a sudden important that a manufacturer is somewhat or to a greater extent in charge of their own brand and the marketing that happens around it. And you want to make sure that if a reseller somewhere far away in a country in, I don't know, Eastern Europe uh, messes something up around your product, that could harm your global brand because they can complain about it online and it can be the mistake of your distributor, but it harms your brand. So you need to be on top of that. So uh, marketing and owning your brand, I think is also accelerating. And, and that's not only like making sure that if people Google you, that they come to your website, but it's also um, social elements there and making sure that you live up to the brand values that you like to be known with or to. Okay, you said it earlier, you're flying really full circle. And I really like this. So 
In the beginning, we spoke about process efficiencies, especially in the administrative processes. Then we very quickly touched uh, scheduling as an example of an administrative process. Then we talked about e-commerce and the automation that it brings and the new sales opportunities that it opens up. And for all of this, as this is the business central manufacturing show, I can really imagine how an ERP system such as Dynamics 365 Business Central can help or at least complemented by some apps can work as, as the backbone for all of these projects. So how can an ERP system contribute to those marketing challenges that you just outlined? Yeah, I mean, the, the term or the name Business Central couldn't be more appropriate, right? It's it's central to the business. And if you if you want to do um, marketing automation, like where is your customer information? Where do you where do you have the data that you need to make sure that hey, this customer bought these products every year around April? Why don't I reach out to them in February and say, hey, it's, it's about April again. Can we help you with anything? Can we uh, potentially upsell? We have a new version coming up. Uh, why don't we talk about that? So you can be way more proactive and adding value in, in marketing, in sales, uh, and in finance, in the administrative processes. Being uh, ahead of things, being proactive uh, is always better than having to respond to something that happened already, of course. And Business Central is crucial. Uh, it, that's that's where you. That's the central place where you have the, the, the logic data. And you need to make sure that data is correct and you, you measure the right thing. It would not be the first time that you think you're onto something and it's wrong, but hey, then you correct it and then you go back to the drawing board. It's it's a constantly changing world and you need to constantly look at your processes, how you can improve them. And it's not like a set it and forget it kind of thing uh, like it used to be because the investments were so crazy. You would spend millions into a system. Yeah, then you hope it runs for 10 years and then you'll see by then how you're going to replace it. And and with with SaaS and with Business Central getting new features every day of the week, as a figure I speak, um, you have new opportunities. You know what? You, you really should write the, the marketing stories for Microsoft because what I observed is that Navision still was called an ERP system, so enterprise resource planning system. And then when they introduced Business Central, they spoke about a business management system. And to me, this only looked like a marketing phrase, but the way of how you described it and how you described like Business Central playing the crucial role and becoming the technological backbone for all these business processes, actually this phrase business management system starts making sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it's because I've been kind of grown up in this space. Um, I'm, I'm in the, the NAV slash Business Central world now for, what is it, 12 years or something? And that was my first job kind of out of college. So I'm, I'm not what they call a digital native. I worked on my 286 PC and I thought that was really cool. Um, if I look at my siblings, they grew up. Uh, later and they're they are digital natives but it's it's there's no way that you can ignore the fact that you need a central place in a company uh, where all the the data and and processes are uh, organized and that used to be a physical room in an office and now that physical room moved online so that we can all access it and thankfully covid hit now and not 10 years ago because 
yes, it's horrible what's happening now to a lot of companies. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are in pain because their supply chains are hurt and their sales channels are hurt. But if this happened 10 years ago, I don't know if I could work from home. Uh, I would probably be without a job. Uh, now I can still try to help people in uh, trying to minimize the effects of, of, of an epidemic like this. Yeah. I 100% agree and I also 100% agree with the observation. And actually, I think this was a very good summarizing and hence closing statement. So, Chris, this was very, very interesting. We really flew a couple of full circles and I'm really glad that you took time for this interview. So, thank you very much. And I'm pretty sure I will invite you again in a couple of months for this podcast. So, thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, always happy. Um to talk about how things can go better. Thank you for listening to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. 